Have you eaten dinner yet? Yeah, I had um, a healthy choice dinner at seven. Which healthy choice dinner? 320 calories of growth. <laughs> oh, that flavor? <laughs> it was like barbecue steak and red potatoes. And all I kept thinking about was pink slime as I was eating it. So you know about the pink slime, too? Do you know what it's made of? People. Ammonia saturated, like, beef is it that's only suitable for dog food. It's not even meat. It's people. You cannot forget pink slime once you learn about it. Checking Wikipedia, pink slime is a slang word for a type of meat product. It's also known as boneless lean beef trimmings or lean finely textured beef and is an industrial byproduct created from low quality beef trimmings treated with ammonia gas to render it acceptable for food health standards. It's people. A 2012 ABC News investigative report indicated that 70% of ground beef sold in U.S. supermarkets contains pink slime. And the USDA has allowed it to go unlabeled over the objection of a few of its own scientists. A 2008 Washington Post article suggested that the pink slime content of most beef patties containing the substance approaches 25%. So of the beef patties that it's in... At least a quarter of it is pink slime. And the Wikipedia article is actually a bit kind because it's pink slime is usually made from the skin and bones that are the after product of all the chopping machines in meat processing plants. And of course, it has to be drowned in bleach to make it anything approaching safe to eat. And even then, like, the nutritional content is nothing like actual meat, because it's not. And yet, it doesn't have to be labeled any differently than pure beef patties or pure ground beef. Pure beef. Yeah, pure <laughs> beef and skin and bones. When I first heard the story, all I could think was, like, I bet my vegetarian friends right about now are so smug. Well, there was an update from the Washington Post, posted March 26th. The maker of Pink Slime suspended operations Monday at all but one plant where the beef ingredient is made, acknowledging recent public uproar over the product has cost the company business. And this company is called Beef Products, Inc. Yes. Yes, it is. Beef Products, Inc. Yes, it is. How proud would you feel cashing a paycheck from Beef Products, Beef products pays my bills. <laughs> Beef products is my plan to college. I can't smell things. <laughs> I put bones and skin into a bath of ammonia all day. <laughs> I have no nose hairs now. <laughs> the ammonia ate that away years ago. I don't know where my accent was going with that, but I'm proud of my characterization and I stand behind it. I don't know yet. It degenerates rapidly. Rapidly. I've remembered it took place in Lubbock, Texas, so it slowly went from being like Midwestern to alien. There's a great, great thing from Washington Post from that article. The company last week took out a full-page ad in the Wall Street Journal defending its product. It also launched a new website, beefisbeef.com, which the president of this company says will help dispel myths about pink slime. When the story came out, my vegetarian friends, all of them, just, just got this, you know, enhanced air of smugness about them. They had an even more enhanced air of smugness? Exactly, exactly. I guess by that, I mean, podcast, we don't like vegetarians. That's not true. I like some vegetarians. I even like some vegans. We have friends that are vegetarians, obviously. Like a racist has black friends. But... Racists have imaginary black friends. I have real vegetarian and vegan friends who I like. I have real vegetarian and vegan friends, too. I just think that they're smug, and I think that they think that they're better than me. I don't think all of them are smug, and I don't think all of them are better than me. <laughs> I think you just pick your vegetarian and vegan friends badly. <laughs> no. Or alternately, that those people probably think they're better than everyone else anyway, and that they just use that as one of any other reason to feel better than others. That's probably it. 
Because like yeah. I, I find that it's not usually the ones who are committed to it for kind of personal reasons as far as like their own fitness and health are as preachy necessarily as the ones who do it for moral or philosophical reasons. What about the ones that do it for, you know, to stop world hunger? I don't understand how one necessarily relates to the other. Oh, well, like, and some of make their, yeah. plenty of food to feed the entire world. We just don't. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, farmland takes up, you know, where cows and pigs and other, you know, chickens and stuff are bred, take up so much room and land that could be used to grow tons of vegetables and crops that would feed more people that, that those vegetarians. Well, that's certainly true just physically in terms of just the physical resource of land to use to cultivate things. But what I was saying was that, like, we we make, we physically produce, humankind produces enough food every year to feed the entire world. We just don't do it. No, that's definitely true. I'm just saying, what about those vegetarians? I'm asking you what you think. I think smug vegetarians should be turned into pink slime and fed to third world nations. How much clearer can I get, Asia? I don't, I don't, I don't. I, maybe it's the phone. Maybe it's the new phone <laughs> and the waves. I'm just not connecting with you. <laughs> well, what do you think about my plan? Um, well, I'm all for feeding vegetarians to things. Because if given the opportunity... <laughs> to anything? To sharks, to bears... No, if given the opportunity, the animals that they're so willing to protect would eat them in a heartbeat. Trust. It depends on which animals. Again, would koalas eat them? Because I don't know if you know, but my vegetarian friends are pretty committed to koalas. (laughs) I did not know that. I did not. (laughs) But how could I? Really? You should have known. (laughs) How could I? Pink slime. I just, ugh. It's hard to think about it. You know that's exactly, basically what chicken McNuggets are too. It's just fucking pink slime of chickens. I don't. I don't eat chicken McNuggets. I don't even call them nuggets because I don't know what the hell that is. However, what really disgusted me about this story, and I can't even think about it, is that for six months I went on a phase where every restaurant I went to, except for Indian restaurants, and I didn't really go to them that often, I only ordered burgers. That's all I ate. Wow. At like diners and upscale restaurants. It doesn't matter what restaurant. Six months, just burgers. That's a whole lot of pink slime. That's a whole hell of a lot of pink slime. I ate a lot of cow skeletons. You know what's even worse? I still eat burgers, even after that story came out, because they're delicious. I still eat burgers myself as well. I do eat them by myself. That's right, guys. I don't need any assistance eating a hamburger. It's not like pancakes. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> no, I never eat fast food burgers, ever. I don't eat fast food that often. I'm talking about, like, diners. Diners are my thing. They used to be, at least. I don't have a thing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just very somber. I have a funny story. You shared with me the glorious news. And I would like you to share it with the other yeah. person who listens to this. <laughs> yes, the other person. I love it. Please. Can we introduce all stories like that? Please. Please. Because hey, <laughs> here's some more stuff that happened. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chris. <laughs> I was recently, me, a 27-year-old woman, damn near 30, I don't think that's damn near 30. Don't sell yourself old. It's it's close enough. Come on. Come on. I'm a toddler away. (laughs) (laughs) One toddler from now, you will be 30. Yes, a toddler from now. I will be 30 years old. It's so weird. I was asked to a high school prom by an 18-year-old. I have to preface it with that because I'm not trying to catch a case. You're not trying to catch a case? Like a pedophile case. You're afraid to be caught for the predator that you are. <laughs> no, here's the issue. My Will you have a seat in the corner of the room, Asia? <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me why you brought this Bartles and James? <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me why you're in this rented limo <laughs> with an 18-year-old? 
was asked to prom. Ironically enough, for the first time. Oh, for the first time you weren't asked before? Did you go to your high school prom? I didn't go to my high school prom. Instead, me and my friends went to this um, abandoned warehouse in Fountain Square and painted murals and got drunk. Oh, that sounds like an Indiana-like thing to do. It was, and I thought it was far more interesting than going to prom at the time. I actually was asked to a couple proms, but I was never like a joiner, and I don't dance, nor do I take pictures, so I would make an awful prom date. Yeah, and I mean, was your no pictures rule in place in high school? It's always been Was nice. that, in fact, when it was inaugurated? I think it was inaugurated in middle school. In middle school, okay. Um, so, who is this... 18-year-old who you know somehow who's asked you to prom? (laughs) Or was it just a random stranger on the street? Were you hanging out at a Sonic Burger? (laughs) I wish. It was um, currently talking to a dude. I wouldn't say seeing, although we did have... We could say seeing. I don't know what we would say. I think you would say seeing. Okay, I'm currently seeing this dude and his little brother... The 18 happens to have a crush on me and wants to take me to prom. How did the 18-year-old meet you? Um, I mean, through through his older brother. When did you meet the 18-year-old? Wednesday of last week. Oh, so this isn't like the fulfillment of some like crazy long-term crush that he's had since he was like 12 or something? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Although his brother told me that he had a crush on me since he was for seven years basically, for seven years. I don't know what the, what the wow. family is about, but apparently their gene pool is very attractive to mine. I can't say it's not flattering and adorable, however... Have you met the dad? Is he a dilf? <laughs> no, I just didn't meet the dad. I, I didn't meet the dad, but I doubt he would be a dilf. Don't be a dilfing, Thomas. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who knows what opportunities and what sexy adventures you can find. <laughs> 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 uh, has this young man talked to you about his feelings? <laughs> he gave me a lump of coal, which I think is... <laughs> he said I could make a diamond out of it, which I thought was really cute. That's sexist. He's telling you to put it between your legs and squeeze it. Like an aspirin. No, he's, no, he's not. <laughs> this 18-year-old boy is like Foster Freeze. <laughs> wow, if an 18-year-old boy hit on you, you would dare him down immediately. <laughs> <laughs> would I, Asia? <laughs> would I? This is a child we're talking about. This is a child. 18-year-olds are not children. No, 18-year-olds are completely children. So, this is the range of Asia age. 18, (laughs) child. 30, dead. (laughs) It's a very narrow window of life that you've established. (laughs) 30, not dead. 30, with toddler. (laughs) Well, you're... uh, I was just assuming that if you're having to add a toddler to yourself, then that's building the wall to death or building the stairway to heaven. Well, I mean, it would be for the toddler, obviously, if it were, you know, with me. It's true. You do kill toddlers. I do kill toddlers. <laughs> I have a... I have a whole... Notorious toddler drowner. Because <laughs> I can't understand them. They're not speaking English. <laughs> <laughs> What is it that you want? Stop saying gurgle, gurgle. <laughs> so the fact that you know, an 18 year old wants me to go to prom with him is just like. It is so like, he, very he's, Asia. He's just done. He's just done. Uh, part of me wants to do it just because I think it'd be surreal. But the other part of me is. Honestly, to be a fly on the wall, I, if you went, you would absolutely have to smuggle in recording equipment <laughs> and capture every second of this because, I mean, that's just marvelous. I mean, I just, I just think it's so surreal. I have to get super drunk, though, because my nerves <laughs> and just dealing with children speaking is, is not something I'm good at. Um, but it would be fascinating. But I don't know. Maybe we should take it to, like, to the audience. 
Oh my god. I just imagine you like stumbling out of a rented limo and then hurling when you get inside because <laughs> you're so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That really would be the high school prom experience. <laughs> no, no, I would know. I would not know. Well, you would know. You would know then. By, by going to a prom, do I automatically revert to how I was when I was 18? Probably. Or 17? Probably. Definitely. Oh, no. What were you like at 18 years old? Well, at 18, I was freshman year of college. So, so I mean, I can't really say. I could say 17 because I would be a senior in high school. Um, by 18, I was, I was in college. So have you shopped for your prom dress yet? Well, actually, you know, I haven't said yes yet. But if I say yes, then I get um, he, um, his, his brother, who I'm seeing, is going to get my hair done for free, and he's going to buy me a dress. <laughs> oh, that's so kind. And he's really nice. <laughs> um, I almost think you should take him up on his offer just for the free hair did and free dress. I do need a new dress, but I don't know if this is the way of going about it. <laughs> just the dimensions of this. It's like a it's like a beautiful crystal box. <laughs> so many angles. <laughs> so much light. Have you spent any time with him? I mean, how how can he know that he has a crush on you? He barely knows you. Yeah, well, I mean, when I was hanging out with you know, Jim team with we were with his little brother for most of the time and then we were also together all day on Sunday. Yeah, we spent some time together. He was just like watching us talk. And marveling at the fact that we were having an actual conversation. Because apparently kids these days only say four words to each other. All of which sounds really, really dumb. That's frightening. What are they doing? Texting all the time? Probably. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know how to not have a... I have no idea how to not have a conversation with somebody. Well, I mean, I don't know how to not talk to somebody, but I don't know how to, like... Apparently they say... Bro, what's up? And then, like, some slurs of, I don't know what the fuck. I don't know what the fuck. I can't even deal. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, we were hanging out for a while. I mean, he's super nice. He's, like, the nicest kid you will ever meet. And so I kind of just want to do it for that, you know, and make sure, like, my boobs are showing so his friends are like, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> But then the other part of me is like, uh, ew, gross. Like, what the hell? Child. It's a child. I would also think that you probably can't show up trashed to a high school event. Really? Because I can show, I show trash to most things. Yeah, I would figure that's pretty much the one thing there's a rule about. Huh. I don't, I don't know. Where is the prom being held? I know that it's, a, it's a school on the south side. I don't know where they do their prom. I don't know. I thought that all problems were held in high school auditoriums. But you're saying your prom was held at a boat, but now I'm thinking that my logic is probably off. I'm guessing this prom in Indiana will probably not be on a boat. Yeah, probably not. That's a, that's, a, that's a damn good... Pretty reasonable <laughs> suspicion, I think. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't know where problems are held. I've never been to one. Um, but from the movies, it looked like they were all held in high school auditoriums. I'm probably wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but, probably. Um, so I don't know to answer your question. I haven't said yes yet. Yeah, there are a lot of contingencies to this. Um, you really need to drill down and get some basic facts straight before you make a decision, I think. Probably. Well, I told him to ask some of his high school friends, you know? And, like, if none of them say yes, then, like, and he, like, doesn't have anybody to go with, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll fucking go. You know, someone your own age that is not seeing your brother. <laughs> so when you got a chance, you know, to do things with afterwards, that's what prom is about, right? Is that what prom is about? Doing things to people. But according to the movie, Seth, that's all I, that's the only image I have. what <laughs> movie? movie? Or like television shows. That's just that movie Prom what Night. television show? <laughs> Beverly Hills 90210, for instance, back in the day. Well, that's certainly a reflection of all current prom practices. Say for the bell. Um, this is what I was watching when I was coming up, all right? So, this is, these are all, this is all I know. Yeah, in that movie, The Virgin Suicide. 
I had a prom in it, didn't it? Or some sort of dance. And then someone lost it. But everybody always loses it after prom. That's what prom and then virginity lost. That's what happens. Well, I got on that boat of virgin and I stepped off of that boat of virgin. <laughs> and while I was on that boat, I was a whore. <laughs> I'm pretty sure somebody else true. on that boat lost it. I'm pretty sure, according to everything I've ever seen about prom. Which, to count, is Beverly Hills 90210, the <laughs> old version. Saved by the bell. Saved by the um, bell, fair enough. The version suicides, that prom night movie. I didn't actually see it, though. But I heard about it, and I saw a trailer. So it was practically like I thought. This is fascinating. I'm sorry, honey. I'm sorry. I thought I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't. Listener or listeners of the By That I Mean podcast, should Asia attend the prom with her 18-year-old suitor? <laughs> or should she stay home, light a novena candle, and pray for her eternal soul? This is a poll question. This is a poll question. It's not an official poll. <laughs> it's going to be a small sample set. Yes. With um, a range of error of plus or minus Chris. Well, she raised, I should just say plus Chris because he will be the only one to answer it. Or, or that. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I, would like, I would literally like to know because I don't want to be a bitch. You know, I, I, mean, I want to be nice. And obviously, like, if he needs me to go with him, to go. But I also, like, don't want to be pathetic and I don't want to catch a case. You can't catch a case because whatever the age of consent is, it's up by 18. I don't know. I think we should leave it up to our listener. Yeah, we should leave it up to the listener. We'll trust in the wisdom of the crowds. But you should definitely find out if he's going to rent a stretch limo Hummer. <laughs> the douchiest. Preferably in white. <laughs> and make sure that fucker has neon black lights running under the entire length of it, or it's a no. It's a no. <laughs> Wait, do I start making demands now or um, closer to the time? It's never too early to make demands. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm going to become like Promzilla. <laughs> Is that your show? <laughs> yes. Promzilla? Yeah, that's my show. Promzilla. It's like Bridezilla without the satisfaction of, you know, getting married <laughs> or being in a committed relationship. Or getting to spend all that money. That should be a show, actually, Promzilla. Where, like, prom dates just go crazy with their demands. And the guys have to decide whether it's worth it or not. We'll be waiting for your check, President of Hollywood. Yes, we will. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> Wait, were you impersonating the President of Hollywood, Asia? <laughs> no, I wasn't. Uh, what would you do, Seth? Would you go? It depends on so many things. I mean, I've done crazier shit than this, but here's the thing. I know I got into a lot of crazy shit when I was in California, but that shit wasn't voluntary. It was like, I ended up, I like, I walked and I slipped and I fell onto some crazy shit. This would be actually seeking out crazy shit to do. And that is, there's a difference. Hmm. I mean, I, I would say that the concept of a younger man taking an older woman to prom is more socially acceptable than a younger woman taking an older man to prom. Like, there's always more suspicion around that. I would think the opposite. Older men are with younger women all the time. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, I think that would be looked at with more sideways glances than... Well, here's the thing. If I don't wear any makeup... I could pass for, like, maybe 19. I think you should go to this prom in no makeup whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and if I, like, take my boob down, I could pass for... All the way down. Just all the way As far <laughs> down as you can pull them. <laughs> <laughs> if I tape them... My tape to my chest. <laughs> and not tape them up. Tape them down. <laughs> then, I, I, can, I can pass. I can pass for 19. 
and nobody would know the difference. I really don't think you can pass for 19, Asia. I can, sis. You have never seen me with, well, no, you have seen me with no makeup on. And at 19. And <laughs> <laughs> talking at 19, didn't you? That's <laughs> <laughs> who I'm kidding. I look the exact same. I think we're kidding ourselves is who we're kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm selling a carton for cigarettes. Nobody knows how old I am. Unless I tell them. And then when I tell them, it makes sense. Here's the thing. If I actually get around a 19, like a 17 year old, I look old as shit. But like, like if I'm around older people, they think I'm really young. So I just have to stay... Like, just stand right next to the chaperones the whole time. Asia, it's a senior prom. There are going to be 17-year-olds there. Yeah, I'm thinking about that right now. Um, also, there are probably going to be chaperones there who are your age. Oh, my God. I, I think my... Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. You my didn't think of that, did you? Nap shut. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just got pain. <laughs> <laughs> You turn my soul. You literally turn my soul. Some of the people who come to pick up those kids at the end of the night from that prom are going to be you plus a toddler old. (laughs) 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 Are probably going to be some thirty-year-old parents. A seventeen-year-old? So they had their kids when they were thirteen years old. Is what you're telling me? It's Indiana, Asia. Are you not aware of where you're living right now? It's not Arizona, though. <laughs> Arizona, you heard that. The gauntlet has been thrown down. <laughs> I threw it way down. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to throw a gauntlet low down enough to actually hit Arizona, but Asia didn't. Yeah, I did. Um, nor is it Kentucky. But I just remember in a, um, in a health class in, like, sixth grade, they were talking about, like, teenage pregnancies. And there was this weird statistic that, like, 2% of 10-year-olds had a kid in Arizona or some shit like that. (laughs) Did you just say 2% of 10-year-olds? Yeah. That is improbable. (laughs) (laughs) It might have been two 10-year-olds, or it was 2%. (laughs) Which one is more likely? It's got to be the 2%, right? Yeah. I don't know. It stuck with me. But, I mean, it's been been a minute. It's been, like, like, 15 years. Since that class, so I could be I could be mistaken. Well, but to be fair to your case, Arizona does have baby baby farms, <laughs> where they take some children at the age of seven, raise them till ten, and then breed them. It's good breeding age ten. Apparently, in Arizona, it is. What do you know about Sandra Fluck? Um, she is a Georgetown law student, I believe. Yes, she is indeed. Third-year law student. And she went before Congress, as is her, I guess, right or duty as an American citizen, a private American citizen, <laughs> to testify in the all-male panel of... Well, you're, you're getting it a, a bit mixed up. How it started was the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee convened a hearing for February 16th about the Obama administration's contraceptive rule, and the Republican members invited 10 witnesses. The person that the Democrats scheduled to speak at that meeting did not show up. And also, um, the day before the hearing, and this is all from Wikipedia, um, Democrats requested they add Sandra Fluck to talk to this first panel because it was going to be all male. But the committee chairman, who is Daryl Issa, who created the Viper car alarm and used to be a car thief and is now the guy trying to create scandals out of nothing in the Tea Party house, refused to add Sandra Fluck to that panel, saying that she lacked expertise in questions of religious freedom under federal law and because she was not a member of the clergy. So where this started was from Republicans saying that she couldn't come. But then she came to a meeting of the House Democratic Steering and Policy Committee. And that was the footage that was viewed by Rush Limbaugh. And that sparked his attacks on February 29th, when he said about 50 independently disgusting sexist things about Sandra Fluck. 
He said, what does it say about the college co-ed Susan Fluke, who goes before a congressional committee and essentially says that she must be paid to have sex? What does that make her? It makes her a slut, right? It makes her a prostitute. She wants to be paid to have sex. She's having so much sex she can't afford the contraception. She wants me and she wants you and me and the taxpayers to pay her to have sex. What does that make us? We're the pimps. He also said that <laughs> if she wants us to pay her to have sex, then we should see the videos of it. So, Ms. Fluke and the rest of you feminazis, here's the deal. If we are going to pay for your contraceptives and thus pay for you to have sex, we want something for it, and I'll tell you what it is. We want you to post the videos online so we can all watch. Yeah, that's just disturbing. Fluke is having so much sex, it's amazing she can still walk. That's amazing. During a three-day period, Limbaugh attacked Fluck a total of 46 times. Immediately, a huge public outcry began, which is amazing to me because Rush Limbaugh has been saying racist, sexist, misogynistic, homophobic, insane shit for literally decades now. But something about this, it was different this time. You know, I'm always surprised what goes viral these days, what doesn't. It's fascinating that it created this much attention because there have been scandals around Limbaugh before, even as recently as right before the election when he had a parody song called Barack the Magic Negro. And he always issues uh, very blame-deflecting, self-serving apologies. Since Limbaugh made those remarks, though, and since the public outcry against him has begun, 142 companies have dropped their advertising from Rush Limbaugh. And this is from thinkprogress.org. Think Progress has obtained an internal memo from Premier Radio Networks, who is the company that owned by Clear Channel that distributes Rush Limbaugh and Glenn Beck's radio show and Michael Savage, Sean Hannity, most of the most of the right wing radio folks, um, and they've listed 96 national companies that have specifically asked their advertisements not be played during the Rush Limbaugh show. According to the memo, though, it's not specifically because of any particular host or their comments. What they say is that the listed companies' advertisements should be excluded from any programs that have been deemed to be offensive. That makes sense. I'm just amazed that it's been that successful uh, thus far. And those companies are not just taking a break. They are ending what are, in many cases, very long-standing advertiser relationships with Premier. But part of it is that Clear Channel, which is partly owned by Mitt Romney's Bain Capital and owns Premier Radio Networks, is such a big corporation now and has such a monopoly on talk radio and on the content that goes on AM radio stations all across the country that it doesn't really matter if even someone like Rush Limbaugh gets dropped, which is absolutely amazing to me um, as a white kid who grew up in a white flight suburb of New Orleans. I was exposed to Rush Limbaugh a lot and from a very early age, and he was presented to me as kind of an oracle or like a beacon of truth in the wilderness and not as a flaming, raging sociopathic asshole. That's so fascinating. I had no idea. Listeners are bailing on Rush Limbaugh by the second, and by virtue of the fact that these companies are dropping their advertisements from him, he's not making as much money for his employer. Though I take delight in his fall, it's also troubling that his employer could lose him and still be severely raking in the dough from any other number of insane right-wing talk show hosts in the future. Well, I mean, there are a ton of them. There are literally a ton of them. They're an endless I mean, supply. When, I mean, when he first started, maybe he was a big fish in a small pond, but more fish jumped in, more crazy fish. Exactly. Um, but I also think that a not small part of the reason why this generated so much reaction is that all of a sudden, 
women's lady parts became a thing that we had to talk about again. Did you know this, Asia? Well, that happened just a bit before, like just a bit before Rush Limbaugh. He just like added a little fuel to the fire. Just a bit. Well, it's it's actually pretty silently been going on in the States for several years now. Many Republican lawmakers in so many red states and unfortunately some blue states are getting passed through measures that restrict, roll back, or altogether eliminate women's access to basic women's health services, including health services that provide abortions. States are making it more difficult for women who want to seek an abortion to get it. They're making it harder under the law for abortion clinics or clinics that provide general health care, but also provide abortions to stay open, to remain in business. It's both a democratic talking point and unfortunately the truth that now on a national level, the Republican Party is waging a war on women. It's weird to me. Um, it, it's so weird to me, you know, Republicans are supposed to be the party of, you know, get government out of your lives, um, unless it comes to, you know, abortions and, and, you know, unless it, unless it comes to, I mean, other basic, basic human rights, like now contraception, like we, you know, we're going to regulate that. And it's, what do you mean get, I don't understand. They want a government that's small enough to fit in every single vagina. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I could not have said it better myself. And now this is happening on a national level. There was a measure introduced by uh, Senator Roy Blunt, a Republican from Missouri, an amendment attached to a highway funding bill that would have allowed not only religious groups, but any employer with moral objections to opt out of providing all women birth control and contraceptives as part of their health service, as part of their health insurance. Thankfully, this amendment was killed, this amendment to allow employers to deny women health care was defeated almost entirely along party lines, 51 to 48. Oh, that's 48 people voted for this amendment. <laughs> Three Democrats in the Senate, Bob Casey from Pennsylvania, Joe Manchin from West Virginia, and Ben Nelson from Nebraska voted for it. Wow. And one Republican opposed it. And that's Olympia Snow from Maine. And she's retiring. I should hug her. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> she's retiring from politics because, quote-unquote, it's become too partisan. Even though the only people actually swinging in any particular political direction are Republicans. And that direction is to the right. And her complaint was that, <laughs> that President Obama didn't call her enough. <laughs> oh, no, she definitely needs a hug, then. She, she needs some sort of reassurance. <laughs> She definitely needs a hug. I like her name. This Blunt Amendment not only almost passed, but now is is just resulting in all this other legislation. There's another bill coming before the House soon that will make it illegal for anyone who is not a parent to transport a person under 18, I think, across state lines to have an abortion. Meaning that in the states where it's effectively been made impossible to access abortion, even though it's legal, it will be illegal for that young person to go somewhere else where abortion is an available healthcare option. Yeah, I mean, there's easy ways around that. Well, but a lot of the ways around that are dangerous. Have you ever driven across state lines? And only they ask you for your passport and what the hell you're there for. And you just send a letter to somewhere and then claim residency. It's really easy. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I know how to claim residency in lots of different states. I'm going to stop talking now. Republicans are just like the whiniest bitch babies you'll ever meet in your life. Like, I mean, think about like all of the I believe the term is whiny ass titty babies. <laughs> w A T B. Just think of like all of the damn filibusters you've ever heard of. Some of whiny ass Republicans. I mean, like like when they first started filibustering, just being with like Jesse Helms, just sitting up there getting red in the face, wearing like little diapers, just whining over the fact that segregation was. Um, coming to an end. It's whiny bitch babies. Sorry, whiny titty. I don't know what the hell you said, but I'll, I'll concur. Whiny ass titty babies. Whiny ass titty babies. Bitch babies is just easier to say. There's so much alliteration. Whiny ass titty babies. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know it either. 
They go there. It's like they don't understand that, you know, like homosexual marriage, for instance. Why do you give a fuck? Unless you're going to marry a homosexual, it doesn't matter. Get out of other people's lives. Like, you're the most intrusive part of government. And it's, it's so funny because you, you try to disguise yourselves as, like, wanting, you know, to not be intrusive and wanting government to get out of your lives. It's getting infinitely more intrusive, though, on the state level. Texas now has on the books, thanks to Rick Perry, a law mandating transvaginal ultrasounds for women who decide they want to terminate a pregnancy. There are some states considering similar laws, and in some cases, the Republican governors will defend them by saying things like, oh, the the women just need to look away if they don't want to watch. Some of the state laws, I think the Pennsylvania ultrasound bill, one of them, I think it was Pennsylvania, um, you had to look in the direction of the screen showing the ultrasound. Like, that was part of the law, that women have to look at it. (laughs) You literally cannot get more invasive than a government rape with a camera that you are forced to watch. I mean, the just the depth of the fucked up-edness is astounding. Um, The Arizona Senate passed a bill, I think it was last Tuesday, um, that prohibits malpractice lawsuits against doctors if they're withholding information um, from a woman that could cause her to have or to want to get an abortion. So in other words, if, um, if the woman um, has a pregnancy, if the woman's pregnancy is putting her life at risk, the doctor can't face a malpractice suit if the doctor lies to the woman about those health issues and says she's fine or says the pregnancy is not risky if he thinks that lying to her is going to make it so that she won't get an abortion. Yeah, no, no, I heard about that. That was was horrifying. It's absolutely, it's astounding. But there are other astounding things, other wars that Republicans have still not given up. In some wars that our country seems pretty much unwilling to stop waging, namely the war against black men. Yes, that's my segue to talking about Trayvon Martin. The stand your ground law. I'll start by saying this. Defending yourself using deadly force if necessary in your home is like one of the most basic principles of a civilized society. And that's a right everywhere in America regardless of stand your ground laws stand your ground laws are basically a shoot first and ask questions later or never law um they are that that law that stand your ground law is what george zimmerman has invoked to stay out of prison for this and What's shocking is not just the stupidity of having a law like that that follows anyone with a gun anywhere. Um, What's baffling is not the fact that even years ago when the Stand Your Ground law was passed, I think it was like 2005 or 2006, people were warning of exactly this, that there would be self-appointed vigilante justice and that innocent people were going to be killed. What's really amazing is that these same big corporations that are funding and whose right-wing political arms are trying to get contraception laws passed are these same corporations funding the groups that are getting these stand-your-ground laws passed. This is from a Paul Krugman column called Lobbyist Guns and Money. Florida's now infamous Stand Your Ground law, which lets you shoot someone you consider threatening without facing arrest, let alone prosecution, sounds crazy, and it is. And it's tempting to dismiss this law as the work of ignorant yahoos. But similar laws have been pushed across the nation, not by ignorant yahoos, but by big corporations. 
Specifically, language virtually identical to Florida's law is featured in a template supplied to legislators in other states by the American Legislative Exchange Council, a corporate-backed organization that has managed to keep a low profile even as it exerts vast influence. And if there's any silver lining to Trayvon Martin's killing, it is that it might finally place a spotlight on what Alec is doing to our society and our democracy. Despite claims that it's nonpartisan, ALEC is a movement conservative organization funded by, who else? The Koch brothers, ExxonMobil, and oodles of other corporations, including oil companies, banks, private education companies, as well as private prison operators. The, the really unique thing about ALEC is that they don't just influence laws Alec literally writes them. They supply fully drafted bills to state legislators. In Virginia, for example, more than 50 Alec-written bills have been introduced, many almost word for word, and these bills often become law. And so, of course, most of them are, you know, just union busting, undermining environmental protections, tax breaks for corporations and rich people. But Alec has a special interest in privatization, so schools, privatizing prisons, privatizing all the public services. And of course, they're really, really good friends with the National Rifle Association. And bills very similar to Florida's Stand Your Ground law are being proposed thanks to ALEC and their right-wing tool bags in elected office in states across the country. And just a fun fact... One of the founders of the American Legislative Exchange Council was one of the co-founders of the Moral Majority, who were the first folks to pick up the mantle of the war on women as one of the culture war issues, along with race, that Republicans have relied on for 30 years. So they never really go away. They keep on doing what they do. And the consequence of what they do is killing black kids, and limiting women's health choices and basic health care and letting doctors lie to women and calling the 98% of American women who use contraceptives sluts. Don't you feel comforted, Asia, that a lot of corporate money goes to write legislation that locks down your puss and declares it government property? Don't you feel ennobled by that? Don't you feel like a proud citizen? No, you very, very unsafe. Well, France has got its own problems. I wanted to go to France for a while, though. I just put away a chapeau and eat copious amounts of butter on everything. Chapeau. Butter. <laughs> Le beurre. Beaucoup Le de beurre. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see mimes on the street. Les mime? <laughs> I don't know what mime is in <laughs> French. I used to. I don't even know why. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I feel very unsafe now. I have a late-breaking news flash. The NRA has begun selling hoodies with a pocket to conceal handguns. That's so classy, That's NRA. Up. So classy. That's up. Wow. Wow. When I was um, a little girl growing up in Zionsville, Indiana, Indiana, by the way, is the home of the clan, not Zionsville. That was, I think, Martinsville. Oh, wow. Like, we, we had moved from Indianapolis, where there were actually black people, to me being, like, one of the, well, the only black person in all of my schools. And the first black family moved to Zionsville in the 70s, and they got chased out with rakes and sticks, didn't go to Maya style. The second black family moved there in the 80s, and they went on vacation, and when they came back, their house was burned down. And we came here in 1990. And so, like, I was constantly living in fear. I had dreams, like, starting when I was six years old, that the Klan would come and, like, burn crosses on my yard and kill my mom in front of me. That's six. And I got threatened on the bus going to school. And nobody, like, like, literally people would, like, threaten to, like, rape me and do, like, horrible things to me. And nobody could do anything about it, like, you know, because it was, like, extremely outnumbered. So I gained a lot of weight, you know, so that nobody would want to touch me. I did some other things. But, like, it was, like, it was just, like, really in constant fear. And I kind of, like, started to get over that fear and I moved to California. Not to say that there's not racism in California, because there definitely is. 
it's just not as scary, you know, because there there's diversity. Mm-hmm. I'm not severely outnumbered. You're not alone. Exactly. Um, which is why I hate Indiana, and I can't stand being here ever. But um, on a different note, it just like this just really affected me because of the fact that you know, just, like how I grew up. It really affected me too. But uh, thank you for sharing from your experience in Indiana. I've been reading a lot of a lot about this case and about the cultural implications of being a black man being taught by parents. And there are these really fucking heartbreaking essays online about parents who've had to teach their children, their young black male children, how they're different and how they can't act like everyone else and they can't do all the same things that everyone else can and they can't express themselves in the same ways that other people can yeah i hope it's as shocking to everyone else as it is to me it's so easy not to be shocked by anything anymore and this is a thing that we should be shocked by sadly for like you know especially people in my family and stuff like that the shocking part that is actually getting so much national attention, and it's shocking in a good way, you yes. know? As I was saying earlier, it's surprising what goes viral and what doesn't. The fact that this one's viral is very, almost telling of, you know, a brighter future where shit like this is, you know, swept under the rug. One thing that made me, that really got to me um, in both a sad but a really touching way was what the president said in response to this. President Obama had a very, very brief statement for which he was attacked ridiculously for days and days by the right-wing media. And the conclusion of that brief statement was the sentence, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon. It was such a simple, economical, and powerful story, all wrapped up in one sentence, that I, I can't imagine it happening and unfolding on this nationalist scale in any other time. And you're exactly right. It's, it's, seemingly, it's seemingly so random that these things go unnoticed for so long. I mean, obviously, there's such a string of black men who've been killed with no investigation subsequent to it. And so many examples, even recently, of black men in stand-your-ground states being killed. I think it's like 65 other black men in Florida alone whose murderers got away under the stand your ground law, but I've been heartened by the response to it. I was just very touched by the president's statement and that very personal ability he had to relate to it, as opposed to the approach of the people who are trying to justify this murder by smearing and blaming the victim. Or is is compared to the approach of President, former President George W. Bush, in response to Katrina, the right-wing media is just not used to a president that actually cares about citizens and what happens to them. It's ironic that you bring up Katrina because I would say that President Obama's response to the continued failed policies of 30 years of Reaganomics have continued fucking over New Orleans. Um and that he's made promises about the Gulf Coast and its restoration that he has not been able to keep. But as with all other things I'm disappointed with Obama about, it's really the fault of Congress for not passing uh, bills to build more infrastructure, rather spending all their time deliberating whether women should be shot from cannons or dropped off cliffs. Yeah. Well, no, I'm saying, like, I mean, he's actually acting, you know? I mean, it's a tragedy on a very small scale, obviously, compared to Katrina. But, I mean, he's acting. I mean, the FBI is getting involved. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't imagine George W. Bush at any point. Even acknowledging this is a story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, obviously. He wouldn't He would not have acknowledged it at all. I mean, he probably would have been busy executing some mentally handicapped person. Or reading a book upside down. But even in the aftermath of Katrina, if you'll remember, the right-wing media 
expended several months portraying all the victims of the failure of the federally guaranteed levy system protecting New Orleans as lazy, shiftless, welfare queens, looters, bums, uh, rapists. Um, Remember, they were saying people who were trapped in the Superdome without power, electricity, or working bathrooms were going on rape and murder sprees. And of course, afterward, it turned out None of that was the case. They were just in squalid conditions because there was no adequate federal and local disaster preparedness. But again, this Alex story makes clear that these people who spend all their time blaming the victims are, frankly, making money out of making more victims. And that just really disturbs me to the very core of my being because there are a lot of forces coming into play that our species is going to have to deal with that are real, that are not made-up problems like people with guns not being able to defend themselves and adequately shoot enough people, like women somehow getting welfare money for all the babies they're aborting or whatever. We don't need to be inventing problems and creating more victims, and yet it still makes money to do that. Why why do we Americans have to make our money doing bad things, Asia? I don't know. I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I just, I mean, what is it? Um, The love of money is the root of all evil? What a fucking appropriate saying. Like I saw the other day a chart of, I think it was the net wealth of the 1% in America during the rise of the slave trade. And it basically showed that this division between the 1% and the 99% was equally as defining of the way that the richest people in our society treat those without money as I think this Alec situation and the Koch brothers are showing us now. I mean, this is how they view human life. I mentioned it earlier, but Alec is also getting money from these private prison companies. And those are the private prisons getting low-level drug offenders, a.k.a. black men who get busted for weed, and illegal immigrants to hold in detention when Border Patrol people capture them. And they're also the folks, to a large extent, trying to teach our kids. I don't like that (laughs) all of these are connected by people wanting to make money. But you're right. Apparently, greed is the root of all evil. Well, I mean, I didn't make the praise. I just said it just then. Are you saying don't praise the messenger? Because <laughs> if so, you're yeah. undermining a lot of our appeal right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I think I just made us obsolete. <laughs> one thing. You just negated us. <laughs> That's... I gotta go. Do you have enough or do you not have enough? I never have enough. Um, well, I mean, there's enough of me. Um, I have to go to my first day of work. Yeah, I've I've had a lovely time. I've had a depressing lovely time with you, Asia. (laughs) That's what they all say. (laughs) I'm glad we've spent this time together. My, my hoodie I donated a while back. Hoodies are my favorite thing. Like, I, I have ten of them. Well, then I think you should wear all of them at once. Not in Florida. But not in Florida. <laughs> the By That I Mean podcast is a production of the MFP Studios. It's recorded, well, this time it's recorded between Skype in Indiana and the MFP Studios in Los Angeles. We are by coastal No, not by coastal <laughs> like, Give me another word. <laughs> We're cross-country now. We're cross-continental. Well, Asia, say I've listened to this episode, and I, I like this episode. Where can I show off my like of this episode? Oh, God. Well, so many places. Um, you can go to our page on Facebook, the By That I Mean page, and like us. That's at facebook.com slash by that I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> you can get us on iTunes, the iTunes store. Um, you wow. can go to the, your website. My website? Yeah. That's the MFP.org. <gasps> oh my God. You can also tweet us. You can tweet him at twitter.com slash MFP Seth. 
Sorry? What if I enjoy following people on Twitter who don't make tweets? Oh, that would be me then. All about me. And that's uh, um, twitter.com slash Mitchell 3.0. That's not right. Is it? Is that right? You can is just say you, at Mitchell 3.0. I don't know how to do these tweets. Spelled out point. I'm not about these twats. And three and O. Oh. I just recently learned how to hashtag. Oh, now we're all in trouble. And I don't even know if I did it right, but I think I did. It's like a pound sign and then you write some shit. That's pretty and much what a hashtag any, is. Yeah, and you don't put any spaces in, in between the shit. No, like you in between don't. your words. It's just all one word or phrase. Some shit. <laughs> and then I died, and that was the end of our podcast. By that, I die. <laughs> anyway, um, I look forward to the next time I see your face. Have a wonderful first day on the job, and I hope Indiana treats you uncharacteristically kindly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, if all goes according to plan, I will not be in this state for very much longer. Indeed. <laughs> all right. Well, good night, my lovely. And thank you very much for including me in this one. Unlike your previous one. <laughs> I was wondering when the <laughs> resentment would come in. <laughs> the very end. You held it out all the way to the end. Uh, <laughs> I'm oh, proud of me. a cliffhanger. Me. I'm proud of you, too. Have a good night. You, too. Bye, Asia. <laughs> Bye.